just an observation to be grateful for. Uh, don't you love music? It's, it's interesting, right? Because you, you were made and were created. We're, we're going through the book of John, and so John went back, right? All the way back. Not, not to when Jesus was born, but he went all the way back to the beginning, like when we were created, right? And when the world was created. Um, and so, thank you. And so then he went all the way back, 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 farther than the other Gospels. But when you think about the created order of things, something that's fascinating is like, what is it about music, right? Music that stirs something inside of you. And we've used it for all of our own means. I mean, you go to a rock concert, a rap concert, a country concert, you can feel it. Like one, the community of people singing together, also the messages of the music, the tones, the vibration of the bass, you know. If you're like me, a late 90s kid, and you had bass in your car, that, that feeling, I know that lots of people don't like that, but, but there's all these things. And so when it's put right back to what it was originally created, what a cool thing. And I think that's important maybe to remember that and to be grateful. Because why do songs? It's just like, okay, we do this every Sunday. It's got to be this number of songs. And like, no, man, like, it's kind of fun right now. We're getting different people leading. Um, and different preferences and styles. And so if you don't like it one week, just wait a week. And you might, yeah. So I love it from where I'm standing. It's great. And it's easy to throw it back at the church, you guys, and say, check yourself. If I want to put some bagpipes up here, God can be glorified, right? Now, on the other hand, what these ladies and gentlemen did was a beautiful thing today. And I'm grateful for that. Um, and it was no bagpipes, okay? That was easy to be in the presence of God. So let me just pray. Father, thank you so much for music and what it does. Um, also, I just thank you for, for your mercy and patience. We still don't get it. We don't get that we're the church, and so every single one of us is a, a minister of the gospel. Our life transformed by you showing the world, starting with the people closest to us. So be with us as we go through the book of John. And I pray, Lord, I don't want to know more about you. I'm just tired of talking more about you. I, I pray that we would be people, men and women, who know you more and more. And, and we know you, not from just studying about you, but experiencing your goodness. Uh, so Holy Spirit, can you open our eyes and ears, even the painful part, because it's a process to learn and grow. But help us to see you and know you more and to feel your presence, but also to know your presence is there. Change our hearts and our minds and our motives, and then our actions should change too. I just pray this, Lord. That's my hope, is that today we would really examine ourselves and, and have awe for you. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Okay, so I commit to you as we're going through the book of John, if, if you haven't been with us... Um, we take a book of the Bible, and I know, man, like, if you were at a seminary, they wouldn't like what I'm doing, but that's fine. That's not me, okay? I'm going to tell you who I am. i got a small brain, and I'm a Prescott Valley boy, okay? So I'm going to give it to you plain. But, so we might jump around a little bit. So I, I'm saying this because if you were here last week, you're like, wait a second. John 1, 6 through 8, we already went over those verses. Yes, we did. But if you were here, you remember, at about 7 a.m., I either ate something weird or the Holy Spirit was like, I want you to change your sermon. So this is like the other piece of what I was going to tell you last week, and it kind of transformed. So we're kind of repeating some of these verses because there's more that I want to talk about. 
And then on Sunday nights, we started Sunday Night Church again. And so we've been digging into these topics a little bit more, which has been fun because then it gets me fired up, man, for like the next week and how we can keep going. So grab your Bibles, if you would, or, or click on your Bibles, however you prefer to do that, to John chapter 1, and we're going to do verses 6 through 8. So here's 6 through 8, ready? Let me read it to you. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, pause, right? John, so many Johns in the Bible. Who is this, John? John the Baptist, okay, great. Verse 7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Who is the light from our previous study? Jesus, good. The church answer was right in that one. That's good. This is good. You guys are awake. That all might believe through him. He was not the light. He being who? John. See, that was tricky. You could have said Jesus, and that would have been the wrong answer. He was not the light. John was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, which was who? Cool. We got to unscramble these church words, okay? Okay. There's a reason why they're there, but let's let's understand that, okay? So John was not the one to come save us, but he was giving witness about the one who would come save us. So kind of interesting, John the Baptist, I don't want to read through the whole thing because it'll get really long. You guys, you ever heard the story of John the Baptist's birth? God loves to do this funny thing. He takes really old people who should never have kids, and somehow their whole young life together, they're not able to bear children. And right now, somewhere along the way, you just get some dogs in a stroller, okay? But in their culture, it didn't work that way. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, preach on, right? So you get a dog, strollers, they would have vests, right? All that kind of stuff. But in their time, I mean, that was so heartbreaking, you know, for them, for for a man who did not have a male heir, that was a heartbreaking thing. And for a woman who was not able to reproduce, I mean, it's still a heartbreaking thing. But culturally, it wasn't like, you go, girl, you do you. It was like, what's wrong with you? You're not having kids. So, they, so, there was, so if you kind of look through that, um, Zechariah, which was John's dad, right? He was doing his priestly duties. And so his, his wife, Elizabeth, they were old. They didn't have any kids because she was barren. He was doing his service. An angel showed up, right? Like these angels like to do and say, guess what? You're going to have a kid, right? So what's grandpa Zachariah say? Right? Like, yeah, you kind of go down here. So then all of a sudden, um, he was troubled, and he, and, he, and he fell down. The angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer's been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel said, I am Gabriel. Stand in the presence of God. And he said, and behold, you will be silent, unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. So he goes mute, right? He comes out, burning incense, can't talk at all. His wife, okay, yeah, they, they actually conceived a child, right? He doesn't talk the whole time until, until the baby's born, right? And then everyone's like, well, you're going to name him John? Or, or I mean, I, I'm not going to name him John. You're going to name him Zachariah after the dad? 
right? And kind of like, well, and then the mom's like, no, he's supposed to be called John. And then the guy starts talking. And then it's like, whoa, it's a miracle. All of a sudden, Zachariah, after all this time, is talking. He has a kid, miraculous birth, prophecy fulfilled, amazing miracle kid. Okay, my point is, and all that, quite a miracle. There's even a little episode and a story here where Elizabeth was related to Mary. You remember they were both pregnant and, and John jumped in her womb when Jesus was nearby. Something special about this young man. It's, it's later said, right, that no man was better really than John the Baptist. But even John the Baptist, in all his goodness, couldn't even compare to the least of us in heaven. So this is a, this is a miraculous guy and, and a great story, okay? So the point is, I think it's fascinating. I wonder how he held on to that. Because how many of us have very miraculous beginnings? And what, what do you think the message to you is if you have a miraculous beginning? What's the truth you should receive if your existence is miraculous? What do you think? Not hypothetical, like honestly, like not... Or not, not rhetorical, I should say. You came, you came from God, right? You're no accident. I mean, science tells us every one of you is a tremendous miracle. For a child to be conceived and to survive is a mathematical miracle, near impossibility, right? What's that? Tied to your purpose. So I, I think that you, you can get minimized because we have this value system over things. But John totally shot that in the face. Right? He had this purpose, this miraculous beginning, and all of us think in our place right here, I don't have that. No angels came to my mom and told me I was going to be born. Maybe some of you did, but, but every one of my kids has such a miraculous story, and you guys are no different. And so I think that's really important. So you take this miraculous story. So there was this man sent from John. Miraculous purpose. He came to bear witness about Jesus coming. And what he came to tell them was the true light. This is what we touched on last week too. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And what I was proposing to you is this. That's a well-known scripture, okay? If you've been in church, you've heard that. But rather than Jesus just kind of coming in and going with the flow of the world, what I love about this, about the language in this, and they didn't intend this, but I believe the Spirit speaking to me through this, is like, listen, Jesus is coming into the world because every person makes life work. Okay? You figure it out. Like, you're young, your parents and you, you figure out how to make life work to the best of your ability, right? You survive, you eat, you work, you play. You try to have relationships, and then, inevitably, the God of the universe meets you. Okay. And he doesn't meet you to say, what are we doing now? Like, now that you figured out how to life work, can I go with you and you can show me how life works? That's not what Jesus did. When he first came in, right, his presence was very, was an interruption to the people of God. They thought he was coming in to fulfill their agenda. He was not coming in to fulfill their agenda. He was coming in to fulfill God's agenda. He came into the world, into the world systems, into all the systems that existed, the political, the social, the religious systems. He came against that in a way. 
right? In so many ways. Not just to come in and play part, but to shed, uh, shed the light and the truth on the dysfunction of all of our systems. Now, why study that? Because just because you weren't alive at this time when Jesus took the form of a baby, God left his Holy Spirit, right? The whole Spirit of God. And when you receive Jesus, I know you can get, well, did Jesus find me or did I find him? You're really wasting your time with your tiny brain. You don't know. The fact of the matter is God put you in all of creation in this time, in this place, and when I say the name Jesus, you know a little bit about it. Right? Now, my prayer is that, that Jesus will do the same thing in your life that he did in a physical way in their life through the power of the Holy Spirit, that he will come and invade your social systems, your religious systems, and your political systems. And here's this John. He comes to prepare the way. So before we go on, I think we got to prepare the way. So what do you do? Let's go to Matthew. If you're new to the Bible, there's, there's four books, right? And they, they tell different accounts of the story of Jesus' ministry and kind of part of his life. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going through John, but we're going to keep pulling from the other books because they tell other aspects of the story. So Matthew chapter 3 um, says this, verse 1, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's that mean? What's it mean? Something what? Something new is about to happen? But there's this guy. I mean, get this. Talk about against all the systems. He didn't go to school to be a, a scribe or a Pharisee. He looked like a madman in the wilderness, right? Eating bugs. And he's hollering, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, first of all, let's, let's come against. Okay, you guys getting bored yet? Let me just speak some truth here. So check this out. Repent, the word here really means a change of mind. Now, the problem is this is really hard and it takes time because I can't just go to you and be like, Corey, change, change, have a change of mind right now. And I know some, and I know some of you might doubt this, but what I'm telling you is this is going to be a, a process, right? Because repentance itself is changing everything from how I'm looking at it, what I'm valuing, what I'm desiring. It's a, it's a, a shift and a transfer inside of me, okay? Now, it starts with a deci- decision to say yes and then decisions after that to be in process, right? Over time. So what he's saying is like, you guys, you guys, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming So what we need to do is start changing the way we're thinking about this. Come to the place where the new thing is happening. For this is who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. And that was in Isaiah 40, the prophecy, when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. You see, what's happening, guys, is is like people who weren't ready were encountered by Jesus and just let him pass right by. 
And I know religious-wise, like, do you know, is that guy asking for McDonald's, Jesus? Like, oh, come on, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is Jesus doing something in you, and you're like, no, thanks. Is he trying to get you to submit to him and surrender to him? And are you saying, no, thanks? So John was coming to say this message. So now that we're here, I need to present this to you, almost a repeat of what John is saying. Guys, I don't know what happened before today and how you've made your life work, but my responsibility is to speak truth to you and my heart for you and me is that we will change. Right? That we will keep transforming. And I know when you're done transforming because I'll do your funeral or I'll be there. So until then, I'm just going to assume that you got more work to do. It's just a fact. Right? It's just a fact. Because the work, the scripture says, will be finished when we're face to face with him. Until then, we're all in, in a process of sanctification and growing. So whether you're the pastor or an elder or the youth pastor, you don't got it figured out yet. Let's quit lying and pretending. Let's be honest with one another. So right now, there's a fresh thing coming. The whole point with this, guys, I don't know if you're excited as I am, but COVID was crazy, like sabbatical. I might have lost my mind, but you know what? I'm just back here saying, what if all you guys, Jesus found, he encountered, right? In some way, and you believed enough to show up to a building to learn more about him and to worship him and put up with all the squirrely people. That's a great start. So now what are we going to do? We're going to sing some songs about him. We're going to go through the book of the Bible. What are you, Jesus? What are you doing? You're going to come encounter us. Right? And so I'm not dressed like John, but Matthew 3 says, John, now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. So he's like, let's get ready. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. Because whatever this fresh push is that God wants to do in your life, let's get ready. Luke says it this way. He also says this. He adds something, which I think is really cool. Luke 3, verse 3. And he went into the region around Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So let's take the religion out of all that, okay? The religious. What it is, is the baptism is, the word is like the submersion, right? The immersion into the water. So what he was doing is going around saying, the Lord is coming. And they didn't know necessarily what that meant, but it's like, you got to start preparing yourselves. You got to get yourself positioned, ready for this work of God. Well, what do we do? Admit the way you've been making life work doesn't work. Stop. Change your mind. Let's come here. Let's ask God to forgive you for all of your sin. And we're going to, Dunk you in the water, symbolizing all the sin washed off of you. Take you up in a fresh start, ready for the Lord. And I'm going to baptize you in water for the repentance of sins, but the one who's coming is going to baptize you in spirit and in fire. And you can get into a theological debate about that, but ultimately, let me just tell you this. Some of the bad stuff in your life has got to be burnt out. And in the end, all that remains bad will be burnt. Okay? So you can get into a theological debate, but you know it. Anyone? Anyone feel that pruning, that burning in your life, the parts that aren't working that God is coming for and coming for and coming for, and you're resisting and resisting. 
And then there's the spirit, right? Like, oh man, I can see how I've changed in this area, so it makes me want to keep going. And Christians are supposed to say, guess what, Corey? I don't got it figured out, but let me share with this cool thing I realized God did. And so it makes me want to keep coming back to him for more. So I would say this to you, okay? If you've never been baptized, we should do this before we keep going. Like, I'll fill up the hot tub and do that. Like, if you were like, I want to prepare the way for God. He's my savior. I want to be baptized. And not only baptized for the repentance of sins, but baptized, confessing Christ to all of you and anyone who would be watching, asking he'd be the Lord of my life, that the Holy Spirit would indwell me, live, lead me, convict me, all of that. Okay, is that, is that a clear invitation? No trick, no weird music, no lights out, no making you cry so you'll come do it. Like seriously, like make the decision. Make the decision if you haven't. If you want to talk about it, that's, that's why I'm here too. So we'll talk about it later. But let me just throw that out before we go forward. Ultimately, I'll give you a second there because I'm talking too fast. And this is something we really kind of got to in our Sunday night church. What's happening is there's a need for you and I to surrender to God. And I know now that Jesus came and there's all the love, it just feels good, right? It's like kumbaya and hot chocolate. But but because of the free will that you have, because you've been saved, because you've been freed from the prison of sin, freed from the slavery and control of sin, Paul would say, why give yourself back over to it? Right? So every time it tries to get its hold on you, you've got to simply hit it off, man. Like, it can't grab you back. Like, no, no, I know who I am, but I'm not going to do it. But it takes surrender, like surrender. And that's not a very popular word. Well, tell me more about that. Well, well, I look at John. Talk about surrender. Look at Jesus. Talk about surrender. Think John would have liked to have a house? Maybe the food he needed that wasn't locusts. Maybe some fine linens that felt good against the skin, not... Camel's hair. Maybe it would have been nicer for him if he had a ministry of love instead of the ministry of (laughs) repent. (laughs) The kingdom of heaven is coming. Maybe a pretty wife. I got one of those. It's nice. Most days, right? Most days, let's be honest. Yeah. Some awesome kids. And Jesus, wouldn't they like to do that? But they had to surrender to God's will and probably consistently over time. I mean, why didn't John, you know John's fate, right? Because he was questioning the ruler and, and what the ruler was doing with his, his brother's ex-wife, right? They cut his head off. I mean, he didn't stop. He didn't relent. He didn't go back. What kind of conversations did him and God have to have to get there? 
And so really what it is, is like, I'm just seeing this, like, why not look at this fresh, guys? Why not look at this? And you can, man, you can think Will is insane, but look at this, John, like Jesus is coming for me in a new way. And I think, if I think I've got here with Jesus, I want to keep going. Because only when we surrender to God, then can we learn to trust him. Only when we surrender to God, can we learn to release things to him. And only when we surrender to God, can we have awe over what he's done. Right? And most of us have this faith that has none of those. It's like this this aspect of our being that, oh yeah, we're Christians and we believe in God. However, I've lost my awe of God. I've lost my joy in God that I once had because I don't feel any different. I don't feel like I'm changing. I did the prayer and the baptism and the VBS and the the, singing the choir. Like, yeah, but change. I don't care if you're 80. Change, grow. Everyone needs you to. The kingdom of God is at hand. We have to surrender. Okay, Will, well, maybe, maybe you're just saying that. Let's, here's the machine gun scripture for you, okay? Is on PC as that is. Okay, James 4, 7. Submit yourself, other words, right? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. And what I love about it is afterwards, do you see what he puts there? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Wait a second, James? So the guy who wrote this is the half-brother of James. And from what I can gather from studying the Bible, he thought Jesus was probably nuts until Jesus died and rose again from the dead. So, okay, he can get a little hesitation. Him and his brothers didn't know what to make of their big bro and all he was doing, right? So they weren't quite sure what was up with him. In the end, this dude died for his faith, became a leader of the church. And this is one thing he wrote in his letter was like, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. It's almost like there should be a question. Why, James? And he says, I'm glad you asked. Because when you do that, you'll be resisting the devil and he will flee to you, flee from you. Now, I don't want to pick on your sins. Let's go back to Eve and Adam, okay? God said, to Adam, eat of any of the trees you want, just not this one. If you eat from it, you'll surely die. If I was submitting to God, what would I do with that tree? Or not do? I would avoid it and not, I don't think I'd even touch the fruit, okay? I would like to think that. I'm a squirrel of a person, so I'd probably be over there licking it. Was this any good, right? Yeah. Um, but, but really, if I was submitting to God, I wouldn't have ate the fruit. And then I would have been, been doing what to the devil? Resisting him. So there's two camps. Submitting to God, doing it his way, or going with the devil. Like, we tried to create a third camp in humanity. There's, there's got to be a third camp, Chris. The third camp is like, ah, love God, no Satan, but I'm doing my own thing here in the middle. Like, I make a pie out of the fruit so that I cook it to get all the toxins out. And I'm not really going with God, and I'm not really submitting to the devil. When the truth is, it's just there isn't that gray middle ground. You make the pie, you eat the fruit, you disobey God. It's all the same. Peter, right? One of the guys that walked with Jesus. First Peter 5, 6 through 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under... Ooh, humble, ugh. You guys like that word? 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. That comes against that whole little Puritan background we have a little bit like, right, right, that like, oh, supposed to be so somber. This says that like, you've got to put yourself aside before God and don't worry. He's going to make a big deal in you. It might not be the big deal that you think it needs to be, but he's going to do something for you when you submit yourself to him. He's going to bless you. He's going to take care of you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time, He's going he's gonna to provide for you when you need is what, it's gonna, is what it's kind of saying. Casting all your anxieties or cares on him because he cares for you. So, okay, humble yourselves. There's another phrase. Romans. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Ugh. There's John and Jesus, right? No robes. No beautiful, elaborate home, no kids, no beautiful wife. They gave their bodies over to God as a living sacrifice. And then Jesus himself was saying, right, in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So I've been preaching, you know, for a little time now, and, and coming full circle, I think if we live this thing alone, this verse, maybe we should just do that, right? Like the whole church, all you do is talk about Matthew six thirty three all the time, right? Because if you applied this, everything would be so different. You would know pretty quick whether Jesus was real or not, Right? Like, oh, man, because there's these wants, these needs, these desires. And what Jesus is saying is like, man, I know there's needs. Like, I know there's a certain amount of days you can last without food or a certain amount of time without water. I know what the scientists found out, that if you take a baby and you never touch them, it's bad for them, right? So you're going to need some kind of love and interaction. I, I, I know that if you're left in the cold, it's too cold, you would die. If you're left in the heat, it's too hot, you'll die. Like, I know what it is you need. I know what it is you want. So if you would seek first me and what I'm doing. Well, then that would be all you need. No, he's saying all the things, these things will be added to you. Because before that, what he's talking about is the people who don't have faith, they're having to go after all the things. They're having to fight. I mean, what kind of things do we fight for? Help me out. Money? Power? Family? Love? Our own appetites. Yeah, like comfort, right? You want peace? Doesn't peace sound good? Couldn't you use some kindness from other people? Can you use some kindness from yourself? I mean, food, like water, safety. I mean, like our land's so dry, we could really use some water. Hmm. What else? What are all those things 
that we needed added back to us. Anyway, so if we flip our reality, right? Okay, the, the light has come into the world. And, and what he's done is he's taken the world systems. I mean, even at this point, we're trying to control weather. You get that, right? Like, we think we can control weather. You know? And we can do things like, like where we live, because we haven't had water for a while. Some of you live in a house that's in a floodplain. If it ever does flood, they're going to be like, oops. I guess we don't know better than God. Right? And we build cities, big cities in the desert where there's no naturally occurring water. Not the smartest thing, right? It's like, oh, we have cities in the U.S. that artificially are keeping the ocean out of your front yard. Time to move, dude. Okay? Can we be honest about that? Like, we have denied everything that God has. We are trying to control everything. We've been doing it throughout history. You want affection? You can buy that now, or a fake version of it. You want kids? Well, you can buy that too, right? Like, you want, okay, you want to think you can look youthful? Just keep plastering your face, right? Watch what happens. You don't want to be bald? Fix that. We got wigs for that, hair transplants. You don't like the breast you were given by God? Okay, we can fix that too. You want your butt, your lips? You want bionic legs? We can do that. We think we can... Fix the food. We're going to print it on a computer now. You don't need to farm. We don't need God's sun or water anymore. We're living the exact opposite of this. Seek first the kingdom of God. And forgive me, maybe I'm getting like picking on people too much. But, but you can see the point. It's the opposite of what we normally do. So here's what, here's what, uh, put a couple of the words together, what we got from some of these scriptures. So let me kind of frame this right. We got John the Baptist who's coming in, preparing a way for Jesus. So my prayers, I've been studying this, is like, Lord, okay, let me look at this in a fresh new way. Bring it to you guys so that we can apply it in our lives. And in the process, I believe, I believe we'll know God more. So, but it's going to take some decisions in your part. And it's going to take the power of God to do it. So understand this. My, my invitation to you is this. I'm going to cut a little shorter today. Make straight the paths for the Lord. I don't know when he's coming back, right? I don't know when he's coming back. But I know he never left. And every day throughout the world, Jesus is coming for new people. He's coming into the world. He's coming against the systems that you believe, your sin, traditions, everything. He's calling everything into question. Try to take you out of your ways into his ways. I know that's happening today. And so how could we, in our church family here, how could we prepare the way for the Lord to do something fresh in us. It's got to start with what John said. Repent. Repent. Okay, I did it. Well, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. That's not what I'm asking you to do. Today, the first step is surrender. 
Okay, we don't like this because when you surrender, there's a level of stopping. Right? You're like fiddling, trying to, I'm trying to make it happen. They're like, time to surrender, time to stop, and you go, right? That's about all I could fathom for one Sunday. So my invitation to you is this. I Surrender. If we want to walk with Jesus, see what he said and see what he did, see where he went, see what he commanded, we need open eyes and ears. We need the light that Jesus came to bring in the world to shine in my life. So I want, I want the praise team to come on back up. Well, Will, I don't, I don't know that surrender word. Oh, right, like, oh, I got some woundedness in the back and I don't like, in my past, so I don't really like that word. Let, let's, let's give you a few other words. Humble yourself. I heard a teacher say that one time. He says, you know, the Bible doesn't say be humble. It tells you to humble yourself. It's not like something you have. It's a choice you have to make. And because of God's grace, we don't like to make choices anymore. We think this just happens to us. And so most of us are sitting here on this island like, Lord, when is your magic power going to just like make me change? We don't want to do anything. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to say maybe what I think is right, maybe what I think is true is not. Maybe what I really want isn't as important as I think it is. Maybe I, I have got to be like Jesus and not demand to be heard, demand to be understanding, to understood by people, and to not demand that I'm right and so you must agree that I'm right. Like to give my, to humble myself, and secondly, surrender to God, it says. The next thing it says, submit to God, and then finally present our bodies as living sacrifices. So, okay. I know this one isn't as fancy. I was thinking about this. Maybe this will help before we pray. You ever been struggling to, uh, to do something? Maybe you're like trying to take two pieces of bar apart, you know? Like they're, they're connected, you want to get them apart. Or, or maybe you're tied in some kind of knot or you got tangled up in something. Have you ever asked somebody for help and they begin to try to come help you and at the same time, you keep trying to do it yourself? You seen that? Right? Like, oh, where's that, that string? Can you cut? Oh, oh. You've got to stop pulling your shirt or I can't cut the string. No, you can't pull the rope that way. You're making it more tangled. Right? Like, Oh, you spilt some sour cream on your side. Well, you're, you're spearing it. Stop. And I can't help but think God's a lot like that. And it's like we argue like God doesn't want to untangle you. Yeah, he does. 
Or maybe you want to argue, well, I'm not really tangled. Positionally, I'm in the right place with God. Like, No, at some point, you've got to stop and say, I'm going to stop working against you, and I'm going to make choices so you can do what it is you're planning to do. So here's the prayer I'm going to offer, okay? No surprise. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bow. I'm going to open a time of prayer. I'm just going to ask if you guys would play a little bit of music without the words because once they start singing, we stop praying, okay? That's just how it works. So let's pray. I'm going to pray over you that God would work. I don't know which one of these phrases is God is like speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. Like there's an area I want to do a more in your life. I want to do a bigger thing. I want to keep moving and growing in you. And I want you to prepare the way. And what I want you to do now is surrender. Okay, let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus. I don't know, it seems so basic, it almost seems silly to say, but then once you really sit in it, you're like, oh man, if we could be a surrendered people, Jesus, like you could really do something. And I'm not just pointing it at them, but me. Like I fight against you as you try to untangle my life. You just pull, you're like, no, but this and this. And like, it comes to the point I can only imagine, Jesus, where you're like, okay, I'm just going to wait till you stop wrestling yourself. So Lord, I'm praying that you're going to do a great thing in the people who assemble here that love you. And I pray, Lord, that through the Holy Spirit, you would pave the way, that you would straighten the paths. That every mountain, every hill, every rock would be smashed. Lord, that Holy Spirit, that you would invade the lives of the men and women here, that they would be transformed, seeing things like you see things, seeing things differently than they've seen them before, Lord, and affirming the truth they already know. So Lord, I pray that you'll just speak to us. Maybe maybe your words are humble yourself before me. Maybe your words are stop. Just Just stop. Whatever your words are, bring those to your sons and daughters, Lord. Give them the strength and courage to respond. And I pray this, Jesus, our Lord. Amen.